White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughter. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yeah. It's a perfect game. Win Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. We're actually together this time, Chris, in your palatial estate down here. We are. We're having a good time here. It's halftime of the Bears game. Uh, Reason why Herb and I are are together. Hey, hey, we had to explain ourselves. Like We can't just hang and watch the Bears game and record some Sox podcasts, but no, uh... We recorded uh, an episode with Joe Cowley earlier this morning, which you guys are going to absolutely love. We'll, we'll drop part one tomorrow where we talk about Mark Burley's Hall of Fame candidacy and why Joe Cowley chose to vote for Mark Burley for the Hall of Fame. And then Wednesday will be part two where it's just stories of Joe covering the Sox through the era. So the, the World Series teams, the fallout that happened after that, his relationship with Kenny Williams, Ozzie Guillen, Don Cooper, Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, Juan Uribe stories. Let, let's be honest here. That's my favorite part. The stories about Juan Uribe is my favorite part of it. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that this week. Uh, we were able to get that done this morning. So, Herb, uh, we're stuck around here. We got a little lunch, and we're watching the Bears. So, if, if this third quarter kicks off and you hear us screaming or cursing, it's probably because Mitch Trubisky did something else that offended our football sensibilities. So, Yeah, and so we're just going to open up the mailbag for today. But before we open up the mailbag, it is episode number 84. It is 84. Uh, there's only one man, to my knowledge, uh, that that's rocked the 84 for the White Sox. And it really, you know, if you listen to episode number 83, you know that that number is so near and dear to my heart. So everyone reached out when Dylan Cease made his debut and says, oh, come on, man. Dylan, one, one number off. You couldn't do us a solid and be 83. Uh, but no, Dylan Cease is number 84. And, you know, we've already thanked the Cubs for Eloy. Thanks, Cubs! I didn't get a chance to thank the Cubs for Len Casper. Thanks, Cubs! So we also have to thank the Cubs for Dylan Cease. Thanks, Cubs! Because this could be an offseason where maybe you see Dylan Cease get moved. I don't think uh, he will be. We'll get to that in the mailbag. But yeah, Dylan Cease is an interesting guy. And all I'll say about him is this. Uh, you know, I, When I saw him speak at Sox Fest a couple years back, he was talking about him and his twin brother and his affinity for like World War II and history and and being an amateur pilot, like I thought that was pretty funny. They talked about him, you know, uh, having to be told to stop. I think Nick Hostetler was up there on the on the uh, on the dais on the dais with him, and he told him like, "Stop piloting uh, aircraft, please." Uh, Always, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea if you're an athlete. But Dylan C is an interesting guy. We'll see if he can put it together with Ethan Katz's leadership this year. Um, but we you know he's he's kind of a low key funny guy too. I remember we had him on the score last season or earlier in spring training before COVID hit. And he was talking about how the first thing, like within five minutes of meeting Yasmani Grandal, he told him that he was tipping pitches. And Dylan Cease's response to that was, And I'd be like, sick, nice, okay, I'll fix that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like Dylan Cease reminds me of like any any kid like that's working with us, any any young kid in his 20s like working at the score, you know what I mean? Just like, it reminds me of our guy Sean Anderson, Sean Anderson a, yeah. a little bit, yeah. So, but yeah, it could be a big uh, year for Dylan Cease here, but that's all I got uh, about Dylan. Uh, I, I predict he will make that jump. Uh, that he did not make in 2020. So 
Uh, without further ado, should we open the bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. And we love email, too. We love your emails. How can they get in contact with us for Mailbag Monday, a.k.a. Talk to Us Tuesday, which I'm not sure we'll get to this week, but how can they get a hold of us, Herbie? Email us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Your questions, comments, whatever you need, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you get on to Locked On Socks' Mailbag Monday edition. And uh, it's today's December 7th. It's my mom's birthday today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to my mother, Denise, who we... Uh, Got together with her over the weekend, and just you know, it's pertinent here because uh, it's Pearl you know, Harbor Day. It is. It's uh, yeah. It's she's a Pearl Harbor uh, baby, and uh, you know, my mom took me to a lot of baseball games. You know, I talked about her on this podcast before. It's, you know, helped me skip school on a lot of opening days uh, to to keep my interest in baseball. You know, to to keep cultivating that. And there's so many times you hear about dads in baseball, and that's certainly true. But a lot of times it's that's the mothers that are, that are so supportive and in, uh, in, in getting. Uh, you know, their their sons and daughters into baseball. So I uh, shout out to my mother today. Uh, today's her birthday. She just turned thirty. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to say that uh, it being her birthday and all. But uh, first message here is from Uncle Pete. He says, "What's good, boys?" I don't remember Uncle Pete checking in with us before, but uh, Uncle Pete says this. I'd like to suggest a new segment called Socks in the City. Listeners should write in about any experiences they have seeing our White Sox out and about in the city of wind. Okay, I'll start. Back in 2006, I saw Bobby Jenks at an Indian buffet in Lincoln Park. Guy was higher than Big Bird's tits. He had at least 10 full plates in front of him. Guaranteed he had Palak Paneer rear for the next week. Signing off, Uncle Pete. Thank you, Uncle Pete, for the segment idea. Uh, maybe in, a, in the post-COVID world, we'll have uh, run-ins with people again. <laughs> but I don't know if it, it fits uh, until now. But I like the idea. I like where your head's at. Coming in hot on a mailbag Monday. Indian Buffet in Lincoln Park. That's very, very specific. Yeah. I mean, a man's trying to, you know, get get on, um, what, drunk? And maybe you know, he's on a, what, did he say what time of the day it was? Was he hungover? I don't know. I mean, I, Bobby Jinx was in uh, the height of his powers yeah. back then. So he was working. Hopefully, yeah. Allowed that man to enjoy his food. <laughs> Shit. No, but I don't like messing with the players outside of, you know, the actual arena so if they're playing they're in the clubhouse cool but if you see them out somewhere give them a head nod or something like that maybe you know if you see a lesser player he'll probably like that he or she will probably like that okay cool that you recognize me but you know i'm also eating dinner with my family let me do my thing (laughs) but yeah i think i like doing it from afar where it's like hey i saw this guy at this place doing this weird thing like i remember like when i used to work at that jewel i talked about it on addison and broadway so many times before a lot of the cubs players would come and even Sox players because it's a good location to live close to lakeshore drive i saw rocky biddle there one time i'd said that story before but like juan cruz would be in there fighting with his girlfriend at the time like just things like that from afar like oh yeah i saw this guy with this person and they were doing this and it was weird to see them in that context so i'm a fan of that but yeah don't bother these young guys out here man especially like it's going to be super weird once we you know get back to a normal world here like to be approaching people like people might be extra guarded so i'd be careful about that oh yeah don't yeah don't be talking to people real close in the future (laughs) this i now i look at people and i see actual conversations from the 80s and 90s either on um on tape or just remembering how close people were to each other. Like they had a Hank Aaron interview with David Letterman. And then after that interview, they had like a, a faux post game of that where the announcer is literally a foot 
from Hank Aaron's face. It's not outside, so he doesn't yeah. have to be close. I'm like, God damn, <laughs> scoot back. Like not, nowadays, I'm like, yeah, scoot back. And then then I was like, man, why is he so damn close to Hank Aaron? Is he about to kiss him? Uh, but yeah, like you look at things in total different areas. I mean, seriously, go and Google that. Hank Aaron post game of David Letterman. It is so uncomfortable how close that guy is, and Hank is just smooth with it. Yeah, I wonder if it was back then, like, I, I don't know, like Dave Letterman was doing TV back then. Yeah, it okay. was like his, it was like his first show. Okay, and he was uh, not his first show. I think yeah. it was maybe his first year of doing a doing a morning show. Right? No, it was like, NBC. It was like the NBC night show. Okay, it was that show uh, oh, okay. that was real late, and Hank Aaron was on, and then after he finished, he like walks through this hallway where a bunch of people are clapping for him and then a guy puts a microphone in his face and they set this up of course that they yeah. want to do athletes post game interview it's like how do you think that went type of thing and literally the <laughs> oh, guy no, is now, yeah. a foot away from his face their faces are so close to each other like back up brother i wonder if it's if technology is to thank for that like yeah you can you can shoot you know but get a better shot from further away you know what i mean like with the cameras they have now i wonder if that's a part of mm -hmm. it but anyway thanks for uncle pete for coming in hot on a mailbag monday next one here we got another interesting trade proposal this one is from jr in kentucky uh, simply put here, White Sox get Joe Musgrove from the Pirates. He's got two years of control. Pirates get Dylan Cease, the aforementioned Dylan Cease, and Jared Kelly. Who says no? JR in Kentucky. Herb, who says no to that? Everybody. <laughs> I know that people look at the recent success of former Pirates pitchers and like, you know, I won't get that. Garrett Coles comes to mind. Um, with the guy down there in Tampa I'm, I'm blanking on right now that they traded for. Um, Tyler Glass now. Yeah. Chris Archer, so Tyler Glass now. So the Pirates are looks like a nice place to pick off some good pieces because they're always worried about money. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the Joe Musgrove numbers. I don't know if hurt he, hurt last year a little bit. He necessarily is the Garrett Cole or the Tyler Glass now of this era. But yeah, I mean, it. I won't. I don't know if I'm gonna be parting with Dylan Cease for. Joe uh, Joe Musgrove, maybe a lower guy. Well, how about Jared yeah. Kelly too? One of your top prospects that you yeah. just drafted. That's why I don't think the Sox would do that deal. I like where your head's at, and also I just I don't know, you know, if, if Joe Musgrove is that dude quite yet. Like if you if you haven't yet been dominant in Pittsburgh and he had a you know a close to a four earn run average in 2020, and again we talk about all the time the 2020 stats. You know, it's it's informative, but I wouldn't put everything in that basket. But he's never really been he, – he wasn't at the level of some of these other guys that the Pirates have, have churned out before. So I'd, I'd be cautious about that. Would he fit nicely in the rotation now? Yeah, if it was a free agent pickup, I'd love to have Joe Musgrove on the squad. But for that deal, I'm not a huge fan of that. And I don't like to do this usually, and I know we just spoke about it. So I'm looking up the video of Hank Aaron and the post game. It was done by Al Albert. So I guess like a relative of Marv Albert and Steve Albert. But Tanny, you see how close that some bitch is to his face? <laughs> he is right there. I he can headbutt Hank Aaron. Look how close I do, he I is. I see that. I wonder if that's part of the bits, just it's, getting in there. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Like in, in Joe and Joe not Joe. And Hank Aaron's like, oh, fine, this is how they do it. Like uh, they're about to headbutt each other. But yeah, so I guess we can go back to that. We can put that in there. Where yeah, I will. But, yeah, I'll take care of that. But um, yeah, it's weird as hell. So Joe Musgrove, no, that's a, that that particular deal uh, is a no go. Like maybe a couple lower level guys. They need a bat. Pirates need some bats, man. 
Like they they can churn out pitching as good as anyone, and you know they're basically just grooming pitchers for other organizations. Yeah, um, but they they could use some more bats. I think. I mean, you always look to improve, and with the Pirates, you know they always I think need catchers, and if they want a catcher that is young, maybe uh, prospects to be somewhere bigger than he is right now. We got a guy in Zach Collins that. It, might fit their profile right there if they're willing to you know maybe throw in another guy that's not that high profile on the White Sox side to get Joe Musgrove I'm all for it but yeah, Zach, the, Zach Collins was part of my original package to get um, Starling Marte from the Pirates like we just keep wanting to put Zach Collins uh, you know in, in the Pirates organization I think it, that would work you know left-handed bat with the short porch out there in uh, in right fields in PNC, like yeah, I, I think that that would be a natural fit right there. But this is nice, guy. I mean, this is uh, that had some pain to it. That had some pain to oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Sending Dylan Cease had some pain to it. So maybe he's a little bit more uh, suited to my rules than I am because Zach Collins has zero pain to me. Like to give him away, I'm willing to do that. <laughs> he might be a great guy. I'm I'm sure he is. I hope he listens to the podcast. But. Yeah, Joe Musgrove. I'm looking at these numbers. Mercy. All right, he's a nice pitcher. Like absolutely, he's 27 yeah. last year. I might be 28 next year. Let's see, year 28 year. Yeah, so he's gonna be. Uh, he's already just turned 28 on December 4th. So he's gonna be a guy coming into his prime prime years with the White Sox if they do trade for him. It's a move that can't hurt, might help, but I'm not putting my offseason on the Joe Musgrove move. This is like yeah. a three, four, or five move. That That's why, you know, to your point, JR, I don't think you have to give up that much. You're talking about a ready-to-pitch in the big league starter like Dylan Cease and then a top prospect, a top pitching prospect at that. I don't think that's something you have to give up uh, to, to get Joe Musgrove. So, uh, yeah, that that's, that I'd be willing to acquire Joe Musgrove, just not at that price, I don't think. And uh, if you're the Pirates, I think you slam yes on on that deal immediately. Weird uh, weird uh, little trivia. Yeah. Joe Musgrove and Stephen Brault on the same Grossmont High School and El Cajon team. Did Ethan Katz coach them too? No, he did not. <laughs> so, yeah, whoever wow. the pitching coach is out there at uh, – out there in El Cajon at Grossmont High School needs a major league professional job. Yeah. All right, next one up here is from Jesse. Uh, Jesse, is it Hobart or Hobart, Indiana? I've heard two different ways. I, we should know. Um, I usually say, of course, Hobart. Yes, Hobart, yeah. Uh, uh, Jesse says this. Uh, you can follow Jesse, by the way, on Twitter at J. Tomich, T-O-M-I-C-H-05 on Twitter. I'm a new listener, so I apologize as if I apologize if this topic has been covered, but I haven't come across it in the episodes I've been listening to while trying to catch up. Sox Twitter seems to be all about Bauer versus Springer in free agency right now. Who would be your pick between the two? I lean towards Bauer because even with the shortcomings of Mazzara and 20, this team will still be a top offense in the league. I think we can afford to go with a lesser bat down in the order more than we can afford to go in the offseason with, uh, with question marks in the 3-4-5 spots in rotation. Uh, thank you, Jesse. Appreciate you. Yeah, Herb, what do you think? Uh, I don't think it has to be this. I don't think it has to be Bauer or Either Springer. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, any one of these teams could sign both of them. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think these two guys. I, I don't think the offseason's a failure if you don't acquire either of these two guys. But what do you think if you had to choose between the two? Who would you pick? Usually, I'm a position get player guy. You know, they play more games. Starting pitchers only pitch in twenty percent of the game, so they affect twenty percent of the games. But for this particular White Sox team, I think Trevor Bauer would mean more to where they're going than would George Springer. With George Springer, you get 
all-around offense. You get a nice glove, a guy that is awesome, a person that you want to plug into your thing. But their offense is already awesome. I think offense as is, you're smooth. And with the pitching staff, you just don't get the top guy out there, which is Trevor Bauer. And it's Trevor Bauer, and then it falls off a fucking table for free agents. So he's the big prize for pitchers. Getting him sets up the White Sox in a different class. I think getting Springer on the White Sox moves them a little up. Getting Trevor Bauer moves them to the next level. They're in World Series contention because you have three guys that can pitch in the postseason. Three guys who have pitched in the postseason and done well in the postseason, by the way. So setting up your rotation, whatever you want to do. If you want to have righty-lefty-righty with Bauer and then going Keuchel and then going Lucas Giolito as your third starter. God, that just feels yeah. so delicious. That's a, mm, that's that a, feels good. That's a leave-no-doubt move right there. Like, yes. You got no chance in a short series versus the White Sox offense as it stands right now and against those three guys in a yeah. short series. You got no chance, man. If you want to leave no doubt in 2021 and, and win the division easily and set up your rotation, like that's you get Trevor Bauer. Then if we get the come-up like you expect we get from Dylan Cease. Yeah. Kopech, yeah. Then, then we're in the house. They were cooking with gas there. Yeah, I think you get George Springer. Yeah, you're gonna win games, but are you gonna win games ten to eight all the time? That's old school 2004 White Sox style. Yeah, you're gonna have good performances, of course, by those two top guys. But will Dylan Cease be the third starter that you need him to be? Where we were scared this year. Will D- Dane Dunning take the step up? Will Kopech come back? All these guys will be their first full year of major league pitching. So. To put the eggs in those guys' basket is unfair to them and also unfair to the team as a whole that's ascending to World Series contention. I got no problem with Adam Engel every day in right field if Trevor Bauer's on the bump every five days. Let's do it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, so that's where we stand on that. And uh, you have not heard. I've seen, I've seen reports from Jesse Rogers saying that the Sox are not in the deep end in terms of free agency and, and money spending so far. Early on in the offseason, you've heard a lot from the Mets, heard from Yankees and Angels, but Sox apparently not playing in the deep end. So I, I'm not encouraged by what I've heard so far about Trevor Bauer. But, again, these things are fluid. They could change on a dime in a, in a moment's notice. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that as the winter meetings, the winter Zoom meetings, uh, get uh, underway here this week in uh, – well, I can't even say in a place. They're all over the place. Uh, but, yeah, thank you very much, Jesse, for your email. Thank you for listening, Jesse. Yeah, next one up from your guy, Sam in Hinsdale, Hello, our Sam. guy. Sam says this. First of all, Sam, we know you're a longtime listener, man. You're one of, you're one of our, our favorites. You don't have to say that every time you check in. We know. We Still got love you. Though. We appreciate you. Um, because uh, what my question is, whatever, whenever fans are allowed to attend games in the near future, do you guys have a particular concession or drink combo you guys are dying to dine on when we're back at the game? Personally, I'm just cheap and get a plain hot dog and a bottle of water, but usually uh, it's part of the experience, so you just got to love it anyway. Anyways, what's your guys' thoughts? Uh, Sam and Hinsdale, thank you for checking in as always. I know where you're going to go, but I'm going to go totally different. Like, I think I've said it on this Airways or maybe on the 108. Carl Martinez kind of told us about this, where you can get, like, a pulled pork sandwich <laughs> and some chips for, like, ten fifty. It's a pretty big sandwich. It's in, I think, Section 119 on the first base side over there. I've been looking forward to that. And it's not, like, you know earth-shattering pulled pork sandwich but it's just so good it's just a nice pulled pork sandwich and chips that go perfectly and it's only ten dollars i'm like at a ballpark to get a full meal for ten dollars and knock you out for pretty much uh, the whole game that's uh, how i do it tanny 
I mean, you know I'm going with the Elotes. Like, I, I can't replicate the taste of Sox Park Elotes, even though you see them as they're making it in front of you. And I have the same ingredients here. But just something about having Elotes for me at the ballpark, it's going to be like your last meal if you're on death row. It's going to be like your first meal if you're stranded on a desert island for me. Like, I can't wait to just take, take the spoon and just dive right into that first bite uh, while the crack of the bat's going behind you. Guys are taking BP and you're hearing Gene Honda. Oh, saw Gene Honda doing the Maui Invitational this week jason benetti and bill walton were talking about him oh i can't i can't wait but yeah was he out there um yeah yeah he was doing it yeah so you know at the of course the the uh, maui invitational traditionally as it always takes place in uh, texas this year so yeah it was good stuff it's good to see gene happy and healthy there and doing his thing but yeah it's got to be a low taste for me and uh you know possibly a uh, go with a solemn oath beer, maybe a revolution fun crusher. Like those, the combination right there when you first get in, you know, you get your first program of the year that I never even look at, but I get it because it's a ritual, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that very much. And I, and I hope that uh, most of uh, us are, are vaccinated by then and uh, we can uh, we can all attend functions again and be out in a, in a public space. But even though I, I don't see why they couldn't do socially distanced baseball even if not everyone's vaccinated or if there's problems with with quantities of it or whatever i don't see why we sh- we wouldn't be able to congregate you know with masks or without masks but just do it spaciously like they did in texas for the world series i, I don't see why that shouldn't be a thing so we should be back there in april yeah 100 percent. i'll be very surprised if there's not some type of crowd at games for major league baseball because firstly it's their lifeblood they'll be They'll be asking their local politicians for that the whole time. It's yep. not like football where football makes their money off of gambling, makes their money off of TV rights and all those good things. Baseball's, most of their money is made on game days. So they're going to have to push. There will be push to have it. And you know, guys like Ricketts, you know, biblical losses and shit like that who bought up the neighborhood and now with no baseball and no fans is – experiencing biblical losses. Now, I'm putting those in quotes. The man's got enough money to fucking just reach in his pocket and pay people if he needs to, like Kyle Schwarber or any of you guys. Or Lynn Casper, I'm sure. And Lynn doesn't say this about the departure, and he loves Marquis, but I'm sure the Cubs' whole thing where they're just kind of trending downward is a part of his moving to the White Sox. You see the White Sox doing their thing, and we talked about this on Saturday's episode with Lynn Casper talking, to, talking about Lynn Casper, not to him. But, um... Yeah, these guys depend on the money they get from the game days, concessions, you and the seats, the parking, and all that good stuff. So I guarantee you, when April starts, there'll be some type of fans in those seats. All right, before we get to our next email here, quick timeout and a word from our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. And now the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser somehow. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including six brand new flavors the caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, they've got the 12 original flavors that you love so much and that we've talked about many times here of course including the nut and non-nut varieties they've got coconut almond raspberry german chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate orange toffee almond coconut and peanut butter brownie oh built bars are delicious they're covered in 100 chocolate they're soft and easy to chew me personally i'm trying to trying to reel it in here this holiday season and not go after the sweets as much so built bar is going to come in clutch this holiday season so i don't make bad choices they're soft they're easy to chew they're great if you're a health conscious person on the go 
low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. You know, if you're if you're dieting or just trying to stay on top of your health, those are the keys right there uh, to do healthy snacking. And for now, Built Bar has got a special offer for you guys, the Locked On White Sox listener. You've got a free cooler with purchase if you act now. You go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Next one here coming in from Josh Bear uh, from Casey. I love the podcast. Look forward to listening to your podcast on Tuesday evening. So this is crazy, and it might be a total Kenny trade. But would you take signing James Paxton, trading Kopech and Rutherford for Sonny Gray and Adolfo Stever and a player to be named for Will Myers? Okay, so you have your your signing James Paxton, trading Kopech and Rutherford for Sonny Gray. Okay, what do we think about that move? Sonny Gray, I, I like a lot, um, and I think that is a move right there that hurts a little bit, but also that makes sense. That's a sensible move, I think, for Sonny Gray. What do I you guess think? gotta look at his contract first. The deal already. I'm in like those. Yeah, those are the type of players that you'll need to uh, spark the interest of the Cincinnati Red. Let's see. Why, why got, are you looking that up? I remember Sonny Gray was pretty much left for dead for, you know, in, in his tail end in Oakland, but has oh really re- reinvented himself uh, since getting dealt to the Yankees and then on to the Reds. Like he's a real nice pitcher. Hell still. Yeah. yeah. Give me that. He's making 10 million next year, 10 million the year after, and then 12 million. I think that's a team option in 2023. So hell yes. Yeah. That's a low-key low guy right there. Yeah. That's a move that they, I could see them making. Like, if you get Sonny Gray, you, I mean, this is all if you don't get a big-time fish, which I think everybody's going off of we're not going to get Trevor Bauer type of thing yeah. where we need to solidify the, the uh, pitching staff. James Paxson, good, fine. But I think if you get Sonny Gray, you're fine. You only need one of those guys. I would love to, but I think you're giving up too much of the future to get middling talent like James Paxson dude that will take money Sonny Gray is already established with money and already given up uh what was it again Rutherford and Kopech yeah I it hurts yeah. but it has to hurt yeah. and for the third thing it was Will Myers I'm a Will Myers guy he reinvented himself last year so it's a short season Stever and a player to be named for Will Myers so Adolfo Stever and a yeah. play- oh come on he makes a little much money for what he does. He makes $20 million. Padres have to eat some of that, I think, for the White Sox to be good with that. But Will Myers, if the Will Myers that shows up last year shows up in Chicago, I'm all for it. The guy can hit. He can feel his position in right field. Get him out of a... Petco Park maybe flourishes a little bit more. Yeah, and the whole Mike Rodolfo thing, we we value him because he was like the first guy Marco Patty signed, and he was the first international free agent that they brought in after the scandal. So we have a lot invested emotionally in Mike Rodolfo, but I don't think other teams see him as highly as as we do as far as the potential goes. Like I think Sox will be better served. Hopefully he gets a lot of at-bats this year in the minor leagues and maybe boost his value up a little bit. I think he'd be selling low on Mike Rodolfo right now. Josh Bear says he's worried about dealing with the Rays. Uh, he says they're smart, but they take advantage of people. So he doesn't want to be like the Pirates for the Sox. So okay. I see that. Uh, but thank you, Josh, for checking in. We appreciate you. Uh, next one, I don't know if this is Doey or or, or uh, Dewey uh, checking in. My apologies. We'll just call him DJ. Uh, DJ says, what pitcher realistically through trade would you like to see on the Sox? I personally would like to see Darvish, but I want to hear your thoughts. I'm a big fan and your podcast get me through my classes. Uh, DJ, 
I think Darvish makes a lot of sense. You look at all the factors involved, a guy who's pitching at the highest level of pretty much anyone that we've talked about. You talk about Snell, um, Musgrove, any of the, uh, you know, Sonny Gray. Darvish is b- pitching better than any of them. And for a team that's looking to shed payroll and, and, and tear things down to the studs like the Cubs may be able to or may be willing to, yeah, I like Darvish a lot. I think that makes the most sense because he's, he's pitching as well as, as anyone in Major League Baseball right now, and I think that would be a great, great fit for the White Sox. Herb, what do you think? Well, while we're recording, this a Sunday, of course, so Bears game is going on in this third quarter. There's rumors going around about Zach Wheeler being available. Phillies are already like, oh, man, we are broke as hell. Somebody take Zach Wheeler off our books. And the White Sox were willing to pay him more than what the Phillies – Pay, eventually paid him, and he'll be making 22, 26, 24, and 23. Decent amount of money, but the guy performs. He's done well. He did well in his short uh, season this year with a 292 ERA uh, for the Phillies in 71 innings pitch. So, yeah, I would look for that guy, especially if they're looking to shed payroll so maybe you can get him for lesser than what the market dictates. Um, a couple of other emails here. A lot of people checking in, I think, after we recorded our tender, non-tender episodes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talking about Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Patrick wrote in uh, wanting to bring in Schwarber. And, you know, Mr. Pouty Pants checking in. And I like this idea about putting Schwarber in left field. That way you can spell Eloy a little bit, put him at DH, and you can still have Engel in right field or whoever else. But, yeah, I, I like where your head's at about Schwarber. I'm, I, I've come around over the past week about Kyle Schwarber. And I think that's the easiest way to fix the the power issues coming out of the DH spot is to either move Eloy there. Uh, Eloy's not going to want to do that. I don't think he's going to want to improve, and I and I applaud him for that. But if you want to talk about injecting at least thirty home runs into a lineup, Kyle Schwarber is your best option, and getting him for cheap. We're seeing him linked to the Yankees already. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes the world of sense. We talked to, uh, about that earlier. So yeah, thank you guys for checking in, uh, people who. Uh, wrote us after we talked about Kyle Schwarber in great detail. Uh, and um, to give him a little bit more context, if you guys want to look at breakdowns of the right fielders the White Sox possibly can have, couple places. Socks on Tap did a a piece on it, and also Socks Machine did a piece on all the candidates to have on free agency. So check both of those articles out if you have some time. Uh, next one here, as we wrap things up here on Mailbag Monday, I don't think it'll be a two-parter this week, uh, but next one is from Ryan. Serious question. The White Sox are the only team in all of baseball to never change neighborhoods. When their contract at the rate is up in 2026, do you think they would move? And if so, where, assuming they remain in the Chicago area? What do you think, Kirby? White Sox ever moving from 35th and Shields? Southside is part of their identity. The only problem is it's – it's not like a huge driving force of a neighborhood. The place, if you want to still say South and put those in quotes, was the South Loop. I don't know what the Bears are going to do in the future. I think we've speculated this in the past. If the Bears ever give up that land on Soldier Field and want to go out to the suburbs like it's been talked about, uh, like they might, might want to go out to Arlington Heights and yeah. different places – that land right there, Soldier Field, to convert that into a baseball stadium with the backdrop of the buildings, mercy. St- I, I don't yeah. even know if you want to if you want to just get your own stadium. And I don't know if there's room anymore for a South Loop Stadium. But if there is, 
find a way to build a stadium in the South Loop and watch this team just explode money-wise. I mean, everybody will want to go. A new, brand-new stadium right there. The White Sox financed some damn sells because you're a billionaire now, Jerry. You bought the team for, what, million dollars? Now you're you're really, really rich off of this team. Reach into the pocket, spend your own goddamn money <laughs> on a state-of-the-art ballpark that has the outfield and the backdrop of the, all the skyscrapers. Mercy. Yeah. What, what can we do better than that? You can, yeah, you can't aesthetically, but I wonder, you know, any Bears season ticket holders or people who go to Bears games frequently in, in years past. Like, it's not an easy place to get to. As, and as far as traffic goes, it's not no. people. People don't enjoy going the 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 act of going to Bears games. I know because the Bears suck, but also like. But as far as getting there, it's not easy. Like it's closer, and you open yourself up to a lot more people in the city to go. And I don't know how many people are actually going to Sox games from the uh, the Bridgeport area. I think most people are coming from the south suburbs and the surrounding area. Um, but I will say this: like you ask, you know, a lot of real estate people, which I haven't, but just anecdotally, I feel like that area around the ballpark is coming up. It'll never be Wrigleyville ever, and I don't think it, I I don't want it to be Wrigleyville. Oh, absolutely not. But you are seeing a lot of. of local businesses opening up in in that neighborhood and you and that neighborhood definitely does have a different i guess different characteristics than it had uh, when i was growing up you know like 20 years ago it's different now like a lot of young professionals you know they can't move to lincoln park or wrigleyville but so they're moving there because the proximity to the red line and, and it's not far from downtown so I, I think that area will eventually improve Especially six years from now, 2026, it may be totally different. But uh, I think they're going to try to get another sweetheart deal any way they can and try to save a few bucks and get another naming rights deal and stay in the same ballpark. You know, it, I would love the Sox to be in a new facility and really, really take advantage of the aesthetics in, in Chicago being the most beautiful city in the world. Like, mm-hmm. And I would love for that to happen. But I, I think if, uh, if there's a dollar to be made, I think the Sox will just end up staying put. And, uh, man... I just want the White Sox to realize that, yeah, Bridgeport's good. And I think one HGTV lady who lives here and does a show from here called uh, Bridgeport the Brooklyn of Chicago or Williamsburg of Chicago. And I was like, bitch, where are you from? Wait, is that that show? Is Oh, hey, I, it's, I think I know what show you're talking about. I forgot what it's called, but they were in Bridgeport doing a renovation for the building. And she was talking to like the person she's uh, doing the renovation for. Well, yeah, Bridgeport is like the Brooklyn or Williamsburg of Chicago. I was like, come on is that, now. Is that Windy City Rehab? Windy City Rehab. Oh, that that uh, that woman's gotten into some trouble. She's had so she's running into some issues with people in the neighborhoods where uh, where where she's gutting things down. Uh, they've had some issues there, uh, but that totally sounds like something you would tell someone like who that, you, you yeah want, didn't know you want to sell property to you, and then like, they get there like what the <laughs> fuck this ain't. Like they're from that area, like yeah. Mm, yeah. Come on now, <laughs> this is trash. Yeah, I mean it's not trash. I'm yeah, sorry, people not. in Bridgeport talking about your great city, but it's not damn Williamsburg. That's mm. if you've ever been to the Brooklyn area or whatever they call it, Williamsburg. I think that's yeah. the area. Yeah. yeah, it's more. That's like frou frou. That's more Lincoln Park or 
those type of areas. Certainly, property value is not you know in relation to that. You know, yeah. to Brooklyn. You know, like you may have some cool like you can get any type of food in the city down there. You know, I got my guy Chef Juan Kim over at Kimski and pizza fried chicken and ice cream over there and Maria's Bar and Buffalo Wings and Rings, all the great uh, establishments down there on the south side. Like it's it's a it's it would be a great place to live, and if you could walk to the ballpark, that'd be great. But yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if the Sox would ever move from there, and I would hate to have to trek out to the suburbs. I would want to schlep out there and see the White Sox. I remember I, when I was a kid, there I was living in Edison, right where they're about to, you know, surveying the land to see if there is possibilities that they could uh, move out to Addison. He was just trying to, th- he was throwing fucking darts at any fucking thing. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to move to Addison. Fuck you. I'm going to move to Florida. <laughs> uh, finally, wrapping it up here. Um, we The concept here, we're talking about making trades with the Cubs and uh, Alex writing in, basically saying this. I'll try to summarize this the best I could. Uh, we're talking about acquiring Chris Bryant and playing him at third base, but the inherent issue with that is where do you put Yohan Moncada? Well, uh, Alex says, you put Yohan Moncada at DH. It's, it would temporarily solve the DH issue, and you'd have Bryant play third base. Um, I like Bryant in right if you acquire Chris Bryant, and I don't know how you feel about Moncada being a DH, but he plays too elite of a third base, in my opinion, to move him off of there. And you have to be very particular with Yohan Moncada. Like, he's got you know, uh, diva mentality. He's not diva, but you have to treat him like a top-tier star, and you don't jerk around your top-tier star and move him again for the third time in, like, four years. Especially not for a guy that might only be here for a year. Exactly. And you have to, you know, I don't want to put the the mental issues of being a, a hitter only on such a young player like that who still really hasn't come into his own totally like he's gonna have to deal with rebounding from a, a subpar 2020 and to trying to get back on track to 2019 and I would hate to like have that mental aspect be a part of it just all of a sudden you're a DH now I'm not a fan of that yeah the the aspect of requiring Chris Bryant for any team is the versatility you, he gives you the third base the right or left field he can play first base if you need to that's why you get Chris Bryant because the numbers haven't been Chris Bryant like in the last couple years. So, yes, I'm having him in right field if you acquire Chris Bryant. The reason why you don't move Moncada, you said it a lot right there. He's not a liability on defense. Actually, I think he's pretty damn good. Like, there's only a couple in third baseman in the league that I think feel better than what Yohan Moncada does. And when you're talking about you don't want a young player to go to DH, especially not a young player that can play the defense. Like we want Yoan Monk, I mean uh, Eloy Jimenez to immediately go to DH because he can't play left field without getting himself hurt. That's the only reason. Otherwise, if he feels that he plays and hits better because he's out in left field and he can make the numbers in the with the bat a little bit bit better than the ones that cost you in the field, fuck it. But yeah, Yoan Mancada at DH is a non-starter for me. You gotta have him in the field now. If you're talking Timmy. He's improved on defense, but I would look at that a little bit more if Tim was put onto the, sh- uh, the DH than Yoan Mankata. I think Yoan's a superior defensive player, even though Timmy has the arm and he's improved his footwork. I just don't think that he's you know at the level of okay, he can't be a DH yet. But he's good defensively. I think he's good. He's not great yet. I think Yoan's on the precipice of great defense. I, I agree. A- absolutely. And finally here, the, we we may have to dedicate our own episode to our guy, J. Matt Nichols' uh, oh email here. He has an entire off-season plan 
for the White Sox. Said some very kind things, and, and we got a lot of love for you, Jay, Matt. Uh, but that we may have to get to this down the line. He seriously has a breakdown of everything he would do if he were Sox GM. And, you know, I this, seriously, we could get a whole episode out of this. It so is it, awesome. <laughs> it's like, really great. It is perfect. The guy is thorough, and I like that. That is what you have to do. Like, I hats off you, we yeah. should you hey by yourself tweet this out and we will retweet it I'll, I'll retweet what you've put out there yeah. and put it on the socks machine off season plans if you haven't already because it is genius it's nice it's done correctly yeah man i just can't believe how much work you put into this is this rick Hahn? yeah and and if this were a normal week where we didn't have joe collie coming up tomorrow and the day after that like if we had to we could squeeze out two mailbags out of all these emails but your email is so thorough and in-depth we just don't have time for it today maybe we'll circle back around to it later in the week but thank you very much our, our guy jay matt nichols for uh, for hitting us up with his offseason plan i think we'll re- revisit this at some point because at some point we will have to talk about what the 40 man is going to look like and there's a lot uh, in this and uh, before the winter meetings conclude i think we'll circle back around yeah it's this. not just hey we acquire this guy we get this guy he's yeah. like money How, yeah yeah he's like tells us get this guy this is why we're getting him this is why the white Sox would be cool with us getting him in that regard just Mm, the essence, the essence of what you want to do as far as a breakdown. It's much more than I would even expect anybody to do unless you're actually in the business for doing this. That's why I think this is a Rick Hahn who's a secret <laughs> a secret uh, burner account going by J. Matt Nichols. Well, that's uh, that's all I got for uh, this edition of Mailbag Monday. Another, uh, another very, 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 very exciting uh, edition, spirited edition with lots of different questions, uh, some new questions, new people checking in, which we always love. Uh, you know, again, this week, tomorrow, the Joe Cowley episodes, part, parts one and two. Joe Cowley, formerly of the South Town and the Sun Times, covering the White Sox now with the Sun Times covering the Bulls, uh, talks about why he voted yes for Mark Burley uh, to the Hall of Fame. So it's it's our chance to peel back the curtain and get inside the mind of a Hall of Fame voter from the Baseball Writers Association of America and figure out why Joe says yes to Mark Burley in the Hall of Fame. And then part two is just uh, stories, relationship stuff with, mm-hmm. with Kenny Williams, Don Cooper, Jerry Reinsdorf, Ozzy Guillen, sort of how the thing, uh, how the Ozzy Guillen era ended and got, dis- ended and, and got dismantled uh, on the south side under Joe Cowley's, uh, you know, uh, while he was there as a reporter, saw everything firsthand. You talked a little. There's a lot of you know Canerco stories in there, Juan Uribe stories. It's it's good stuff. Ed Farmer story in there, which uh, which I love so much. But how much do we love talking to Joe today? Irby? Unbelievable! Like so, like uh, we've known Joe for years, known, and we've been around the White Sox for years. And I didn't know the origins of any of these things. Like he was giving breakdowns of everything. Your Uribe stories were his Uribe stories were great. I know you loved them. His Don Cooper story was great. His Kenny Williams story was great. Man, uh, Canerco, all of it. He has a lot of you know knowledge and a lot of intel from those years with the White Sox, and those were the great years. I think you know, of course, the championship in two thousand five. But yeah, Joe was there covering all those guys. It is a must listen. I don't say that for many of these episodes. That is a must listen. If you're a Locked On fan, if you're a White Sox fan, you have to listen to that episode. Firstly, the Mark Burley one, and then the stories one. Absolutely, there's you know there's a reason why we picked Joe Cowley as the guy to be our first guest together 
uh, Herb and I doing the podcast. Like we haven't had any guests since I've been a part of the show. And a lot of that's because we feel like we can knock these episodes out and you like hearing from us. But, you know, Joe Colley is one of the guys, one of the truth tellers that we like talking to. So, uh, yeah, that about does it for us tonight here on Locked on Sox. Today, this Mailbag Monday edition. All right, so that's Chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. I am Herb Lawrence, EctorWall23, and the show is at Locked on Socks on both Instagram and Twitter. If you want to participate in next week's or the week after Locked on Mailbag Monday, email us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com with your questions, comments. And if you have a full breakdown like my man, J. Matt Nichols, oh, yeah. send that through. When you see this thing, I mean, seriously, this guy is a genius. I don't necessarily agree with all the moves, but I like for a person to put that much thought onto something and then put it down on paper. Man, perfect. So, for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on Socks.